The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are some people that make their work just another thing they have to do. And there are those that make their work something that they want to do. Welcome to Working on Purpose with your host, Elise Cortez. In our program, we provide guidance and inspiration from those people who have found deeper meaning and personal connection to their work life. It's beyond 9 to 5. It's Working on Purpose. Now, here is your host, Elise Cortez. Welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. Thanks for tuning in again this week. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. As you know, if you've been tuning in, this show is all about showcasing guests who are meaningfully connected to their work and the hopes we can learn from and be inspired by their stories to pursue our own career dreams, to truly work on purpose. Our conversation this week showcases someone who has found truly his calling in the work he does today. Now, one important thing that we'll learn from the conversation is that he had a strong inkling early in his life that languages and the humanities were the direction he should take for his career, but was given contrary advice to pursue a completely different field in engineering. Did that for years and was extremely successful, only to find that a little later in life, this insistent inner calling could not be quieted. With us this week is James Archer, who simply goes by Jay. He is the founder, president, and chief dreamer of the ShareLingo Project, the mission of which is to connect cultures through language. Jay has lived in Australia and Europe, traveled extensively throughout Asia and Latin America, and loves his current home in Denver, Colorado. Prior to developing ShareLingo, Jay has been a computer engineer, the general manager of Australia's largest conference and exhibition company, an art gallery owner, and an inventor holding multiple patents in his name. Jay, so nice to have you with me here in my Dallas office studio. Welcome to Dallas and to Working on Purpose. Elise, thank you so much for having me here today. We appreciate the opportunity to get the word out and, um, and, and to be able to tell the world what we're trying to do here. I'm glad, too. I'm really excited about what you're doing, and I believe in what you're doing on a number of levels, which we'll talk about throughout the conversation. But um, you are talking about and you're doing something that's near and dear to my heart. So I definitely want to share it with the listeners. I think they can learn from you and hopefully be inspired and maybe want to get involved with what you're doing. Great. So a few questions here. I, I want to start a little bit, basically, because there's such a wealth of, of experience you've built on here to create this project. You have been a very successful entrepreneur over the years. You even once retired for a bit after selling a company you created. But it really wasn't until you turned 50 that you learned Spanish and set out to create this company, ShareLingo. I want to dig into that story a little bit here. But first, can you tell us a little about your background? What's your education? How did you spend your earlier career years? Um, just kind of want to get a foundation for how we got into this venture. Okay, I'd be happy to. Um, first, to, I mean, just very briefly tell people what we do. ShareLingo, um, basically what we do is we connect um, English learners and Spanish learners together and teach them how to teach each other. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a kind of a novel approach. How did I get there? Um, I have done several things in my life. Um, as you mentioned, um, fundamentally, I'm an engineer. Um, that means, you know, don't get between me and a problem because I'm going to want to fix it for you. Um, my father would say, don't ask Jay what time it is. Um, he'll tell you how to build a watch. I do have that. So if I talk too much, I'm sorry. Um, 
My early life, um, my father was military. We traveled around an awful lot around the world. And uh, I think uh, fundamentally that is why I love other people, other languages, other cultures, um, military kids. Uh, he was Air Force, but I think any military kids grow up in a very different environment. Um, you know, if, you're, if your boss is black or Chinese or whatever, you don't have the option of um, feeling any racial tension. You do what you're told, right? And I think that really helps. I think the military has opened a lot of doors for our um, culture. And so um, traveling around, I was born in Germany, saw most of the United States, um, but things really started to happen uh, when I was in high school. I started high school in Colorado Springs, Colorado, um, and took a Spanish class like most people You're right. in high school. Most of us do, yeah. Didn't really sink in very much. But then <laughs> when I was a, sing um, a senior, we moved to Italy, mm. and that was amazing. Where in Italy? Vicenza. Vicenza. Okay, which is in the north. Mm -hmm. um, literally used to skip class almost every Friday and go to Venice. <laughs> right? Get on the train with a couple of friends, go to Venice, be back to catch the bus home. Nobody knew anything. Oh, my right? gosh. That's awesome. I was. What I found was just having that little bit of Spanish um, and then trying to talk to people in, in Italian was so fun. And I really liked it you know, this ability to communicate with somebody else. Um, but as you alluded, you know, things kind of moved me to a different path in life. Um, so I've done a lot of things. I uh, went to school in Ames, Iowa, to college, became a computer engineer, then went to work for McDonnell Douglas Corporation. They um, sent me to go to Canada, and I put in some very large computer systems for the Air Force in Canada. Um, then the next assignment was to Australia, put in some large computers in Australia, met uh, a woman, uh, long story there, but she was a beautiful ballerina, um, Australian, and uh, got married, and my nine-month assignment became nine, nine or ten years in Australia. <laughs> Had okay. babies... Uh, I can speak Australian, actually, quite well. Lived oh, there for a long time. Like yeah. it, like yeah. it. Um, but at some point, I decided I missed the United States, came back. I uh, did not know what I was really going to do to earn a living. Um, we purchased an art gallery in Breckenridge, Colorado. I don't know if you know it, but... Uh, a lot I know of, of the area, you know, yes. Okay, a lot of, a lot of Texas people like Breckenridge. Um, and that was... A wonderful time, um, kind of idyllic in the snow and the mountains and, and everything. Um, but running an art gallery was very difficult. Um, it, it's hard to hire people to work for you in Breckenridge. Mm, why? There's two kind of people in a, in a mountain ski resort town. There's the um, independently wealthy. Um, they don't work for you. Um, and then there's the kids who come in to man the ski lifts. Got they, it. they will sit behind a counter for you and read a book. Right. They're not going to sell anything for I you. got it. Okay. Okay. And so uh, my wife at the time uh, and I ran the gallery. It was difficult. We had to, you know, sell things and pack things up and ship things all over the world. But what really happened was I wrote some software to manage that art gallery. Mm. Uh, and that was a wonderful thing to do. Um, and it was good software, cutting edge 
the thing about art galleries is it has a lot of um, consigned inventory. The, the piece that's hanging on the wall might be part consigned, the mm-hmm. art, but mm-hmm. the gallery paid to frame it. So there wasn't any software like QuickBooks or whatever that would handle that. So um, the software was finance-oriented, or what was the basis everything. of it? It did everything. I mean, because it, it was for running inventory. our own business. Inventory okay. control, customer management, got point it. of sale. Okay. Um, so it got to the point where my records, electronic records, were better than a lot of the artists' own records. And they were starting to use me, to like, what do I have in here? You know, and then, <laughs> long story, I know. Um, some other galleries, through the artists, heard that I had this um, good software, and they wanted to buy it, and... So for the next 12 years, we sold uh, software to art galleries and antique dealers around the world. Um, great, a great way to live. Um, we got to go places, uh, write off trips to basically anywhere, um, meet a lot of great artistic people, um, and, and it was fun. Right? But in about 2008, we decided for a number of reasons to sell that software business. Um, we didn't get rich, like, you know, it wasn't a Silicon Valley millions of dollars sale, but we got comfortable mm-hmm. and that was nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, as I told you on the phone the other day, I kind of semi-retired, played a lot of golf and tennis, got really bored, um, invented a thing, a silicone kitchen gadget that you uh, might actually see on QVC later this month. Um, and, uh, I was still bored, and it was kind of at that time that I thought, you know, going way back to those Italy days, gosh, I'd really like to pick up this language thing again. I just, I've always felt like I should do this. I want to do this. I like other people, you know, and so I started kind of tinkering with with the language thing. I live in Denver, Colorado, so that's kind of where it went. Okay, well, thank you for for letting me take you down that path. I thought it was really important to get the foundation of kind of where you would come from. One, I think it's fascinating. And what I get from that story right out of the gate is that you're a guy who, wow, can kind of go with the moves. You know, you're supposed to be in Australia for nine months. You've met a woman, you end up there for nine or ten years. You do this art gallery thing, just, all right, let's just, you know, own a gallery and end up developing software and do that for 12 years. It's just, I really appreciate and applaud how you've been able to take these opportunities in your life and just go with them, make them work. It's it's wonderful. It's fun. Yeah, it is fun. It is fun. And, And listening to you talk, and the other thing that I have to say, because my listeners might really appreciate this, is that... You know, you did what a lot of people want to say they want to do. They want to, mm-hmm. they want to go out and create a, a company and sell it and retire and live happily ever after and not have to work again. And you're like, oh, I don't think so. No, I don't I, want to do that. I work till I die. Yeah, I do too. I feel the <laughs> I same just want way. To, I don't want to work for somebody else till I die. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. I get that. And I, I feel very much the same way. But really, I want to make sure that that's not lost in the listeners, that retirement wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Right. Um, and so I think that's wonderful. I think working is great. So... Let's get into the project, Sherlingo, here. I, I First, I want to know, you know, you said that you missed the idea of language. You kept hearkening back after all those years. You knew language was something you loved, but kind of had spent your life really developing products from an engineering vantage point, a technical vantage point. So first, why Spanish? And then how did you get the idea to actually start Sher- Sherlingo Project? Okay. Um, well, uh, like I said, I live in Denver, Colorado. Um, I think... There's a lot of languages that are very beautiful, Italian, French, a lot of the Romance languages. Also, um, 
you know, Chinese is a beautiful language mm, if is you it? start to learn it. Okay. Um, I, it's hard to learn how to write it because of the character set, but it's not that hard to speak it. Mm, right? Interesting. Um, the, and then, well, anyway, I live in Denver, Colorado. It did not make sense for me to jump into Italian or French. Okay, right? sure. Um, there's a major population in Colorado, 30% or more um, of the population is Hispanic. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it made sense. All right. Okay. If I was to learn Spanish, you know, that would really help me in my daily life. And yeah. it might open some doors. And I was working with several nonprofits at the time. I was um, on the on the board. I was president of a foundation at the time that uh, was introducing me to a couple of other nonprofits, and just one thing led to another. Um, so I thought, okay, I'm going to I'm going to go back to Spanish, right, um, from 30 years previously, and see if I still remember any of it. Um, I did a uh, six week immersion trip to Costa Rica. Um, I did not take my wife. That was, uh, she did not appreciate that, <laughs> but I, my, the deal was I wanted to go and um, I wanted to only do Spanish for six weeks, right? I did not want to do Spanish during the day and then spend the evenings back in English, mm-hmm. right? I see. I got you. Okay. Um, but when I got back, uh, then I d- took her down there for two weeks and showed her around and showed her the great places I had seen and things like that. But, um, uh, what I found, I, I visited four uh, schools down there in the six weeks, and beautiful Costa Rica. I love it. All right, but every school was the same. It was all this grammar stuff, right? And grammar is cool. You need the grammar. You yep. need the fundamentals. I think I know where you're going to go but, on this, but uh, go ahead. Guess what? Yeah. Um, not enough talking. I I did more talking at the hotel or at the bar or wherever after school. And you hear this over and over and over again. Everybody that goes someplace to study says they really learn more with the stay-at-home mom. You know, they do this homestays or they do the whatever. That's when they really are forced to practice. Absolutely. If you want to ride a bike, at some point you have to get on a bike. Mm-hmm. All right. If you want to learn a language, at some point you have to start speaking the language. All right. Um, with ShareLingo and, and our model, which I'll explain more down the road, we have literally had students who've done four years of university Spanish, right? They came to us. They can write an essay in Spanish, but they can't speak. Mm-hmm. Because they've never, for financial or whatever reasons, they've never had the opportunity to go abroad and get immersed, right? So they come, they uh, hook up through our program with a native Spanish speaker, um, which helps the Spanish speaker, you know, learn English. They Absolutely. Practices. Okay. We'll describe the model here in a little while, but... But that's where it goes to is uh, I was in Denver. I wanted to do Spanish. I tried Costa Rica, too much grammar, not enough talking. Where can I go to talk? Mm-hmm. Right? And mm-hmm. even though Denver is 30% Spanish, I, I mean, we're sitting here, you and me, you know, two of the whitest people in Texas, maybe, right? Okay. <laughs> maybe and, so. Um, you know, it's not like our, well, we would probably just go down and knock on a door and, and find some Latino and say, hey, will you practice with me? But the average person won't. Right. The average person doesn't go to a neighborhood that they're not comfortable with and find somebody to practice with. And it goes the other way, too. Right. Um, 
And and I can tell you from EJ that I, the way I learned my Spanish, you're reminding me of this. The way I learned my Spanish, I'd already learned French in college, so I had the grammar thing down. But the way I learned my Spanish was I was working in a restaurant while I was going through college, and there were guys there from Mexico, and the deal was they taught me Spanish, mm-hmm. and I taught them English, just like you're saying. See? Just like that's you're model, saying. That's the model that works. Well, and we're going to talk about more exactly about how you actually pull that off. Um, because I think it's important for listeners to understand the actual format that you use to actually provide the service. Um, but I wanted to really recognize that because I will tell you that that was the value for me. Mm-hmm. And and what I also found is that just immersion alone for me mm-hmm. didn't actually work. So, no, you, and I'll we'll talk about that as well. But I I wanted to call that out as well because I think there's some really interesting nuances about that. But believe it or not, it's already time for our first break. Okay. <laughs> I'm your host, Elise Cortez. We've been on the air with Jay Archer, who is the founder, president, and chief dreamer of the ShareLingo Project, a company with a mission to connect cultures through language. After the break, I want to hear more about how he believes this business really is his calling. Stay with us. Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. The Voice America Live Events page is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Build your better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. We're here with Jay Archer, who is the founder, president, and chief dreamer of the ShareLingo Project based in Denver, Colorado. Their mission is to connect cultures through language, and we are having this conversation today from my Dallas office studio. I'm your host, Elise Cortez. Let's pick up where we left off. We were talking about how it was you began the the idea of ShareLingo Project. And I had heard you talk about going down to Costa Rica and that whole idea of exchanging, being able to have a conversation with someone. And I totally understand the value of that. 
And, and so maybe at this point, maybe could you tell us before I get into why you think this is really your, your purpose, how do you, how do you provide your services to people? How does it actually work? Okay. Um, it's a very, very simple idea. And I've found in engineering um, all my life that uh, if you can find a simple solution to a problem, that's usually going to be the most effective. I honestly do not know why the Sherlingo model does not already exist. Mm. It, it is so simple. Yeah. And that Fun- obvious, huh? It is obvious. Okay. What you alluded to before the break, okay, we, the best way to learn is to, you know, you were talking with real people. You had something to talk about, okay, in your kitchen mm-hmm. days, in your whatever, you had a topic that you wanted to discuss, you taught each other. It wasn't just um, people thrown together. Okay, talk. So one thing with ShareLingo, fundamentally what we do is we take roughly five people from who speak English, learning Spanish, and five people who want to learn English, speak Spanish, put them in a room together, and a bilingual facilitator helps them teach each other. Mm. Okay, five people, five people. It can be six of each, it can be seven of each, but we want small groups so we don't want 20 and 20 okay. together, okay? We don't want this to end up like a classroom where somebody's teaching the class. We want interaction between the individuals. So what we do is we, uh, it's a two hours, uh, normally once a week uh, for 10 weeks. Two hours once a week for 10 weeks. 20 contact hours, except, you know, it usually goes on. This is not a class that, that's boring and you can't wait until, you know, the final bell and you get to go home. <laughs> Um, what or run usually, off to Venice. It, well, yeah. Um, what usually happens is the two hours are up and everybody's like, no, 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 I'm not finished yet. Okay? Uh, just one more paragraph, one more sentence, one more. Okay. We give them materials, um, a topic, and uh, we have different kind of customers. Um, depending on where the customers come from, it might, you know, it could be, the topic could be healthcare, the topic could be law enforcement, the topic could be finance and banking, the topic could be just, you know, travel, whatever. But there is a uh, curriculum for the 10 weeks, all right? And so the people come in, um, we work as a group for 30 minutes. We kind of, hey, what did you do during the week? Uh, do you have any questions from last week's class? Uh, did everybody do their homework? Did everybody get online and um, do the bonus materials, things like that? But for the next hour, the next 60 minutes, they break up into individuals and one-on-one one English speaker and one Spanish speaker with our materials and they go through and they read together. Okay. Hmm. Now here's, here's why it's so wonderful. All right. If I'm learning Spanish, my biggest hurdle is probably my fear, fear, right? Mm -hmm. Fear of what? Fear of somebody from a different culture. There's that cultural fear, Mm -hmm. Ah, you know, but there's also just the simple fear of embarrassing yourself. Absolutely. Okay. That's the biggest hurdle. Um, saying something stupid, right? But when the person sitting across from you is trying to learn English and you're their teacher, you don't feel stupid trying to speak Spanish Mm -hmm. because they're on the same book. They're there to help you speak Spanish. They're eager to help you speak Spanish. When they are your teacher, guess what? They feel empowered. They feel justified. They feel important. Here's this immigrant teaching this gringo Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. When I'm learning Spanish from Maria or Diego or Jose or whatever, right? I t- treat that person with respect. They're my teacher. Okay? So this is kind of where the cultural thing sneaks in, right? Um, so 
we get to, for 60 minutes, you go through back and forth, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, teaching, learning, all right? There's some amazing things that are happening in your brain during this. My, my partner, Rocio Duran, is a, a psychologist and uh, develops the curriculum. Um, What's your name? Rocio Duran? Rocio del Pilar Duran. Okay. Ella es colombiana okay. de Bogotá. Okay. Muy sí. bien. Sí. Um, she's Colombian from Bogotá, for, uh, if my accent was hard to understand. Um, the thing is, okay, so for example, um, if you're learning pronunciation, which is a lot of people struggle with, right? Pronunciation is a muscle thing. Mm. It's how do you move your tongue? I or believe move that, your sure. Jaw, right? Sure. So if you're learning pronunciation, it's more like learning to ride a bike or learning to hit a baseball, and you don't learn any new vocabulary. You're focused on your muscles. Mm. Okay? So in order to learn new vocabulary, we have to do something else. And um, we do. Okay, we, we break the class up into different parts and um, exercise different parts of your brain that do different things, like pronunciation or learning new grammar or stuff. What is so cool, though, is that in a normal classroom, picture yourself in a math class or a history class or a geography class. Can you remember being in those classes and after about 10 or 15 minutes, you kind of go like, well, you know, you're nodding off. and Oh, sure. You You've know. now daydreamed about something else. You, yes. You reach your kind of your limit. Mm-hmm. All right. You say, and your mind starts to wander. It doesn't happen in Sherlingo. What we found was that because we're switching back and forth from teacher to student to teacher to student, it's like we keep resetting the clock. Right. So you never get to that 15 minute board. You're just constantly engaged. Mm hmm. So after two hours, you're like really tired because your brain's been engaged for mm-hmm. two solid hours. Um, but happy, you know, um, these people come out happy, you know. And, 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 and energized, I imagine. Absolutely. It's like you've done two hours of something fun. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, a picture yourself at an amusement park or a game center or, I don't know, bowling or whatever makes you happy, right? Mm -hmm. So you've just spent two hours having fun with somebody, um, somebody who can also teach you about their culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And we do fun things also. It's not just, it's not always just, you know, written material. Sometimes we do salsa dancing. Sometimes we do karaoke. Sometimes we do cooking. Sometimes we do, you know, whatever seems like we can get people going. As a cooking exercise, um, one of the classes, we just made pizza. Oh. Okay, but from scratch. Uh-huh. Okay, made the dough from scratch. So you speak de habla español. Um, the difference between a cuchara and a cucharita. Mm-hmm. Okay, a spoon and a teaspoon. Mm-hmm. How much salt? How much? You, can you kind of picture these two totally. people working? Okay, let's and having take, the and having the physical stuff to talk about and show. Yes, and you're Huge. you're right next to each other. People can't because we're on radio. People can't see you and me. But we would if you were cooking together, looking at a recipe together. We're shoulder to shoulder. We're, we're focused on our task, right? Mm. We are partners, right? Yeah. Okay. We bond with each other. We trust each yes. other. We respect each other. We, you know, that's what's happening. Another great example we've done is origami. We do origami classes, mm. right? Um, Americans are really good at following instructions because mm. right from the beginning, Who you know, knew? put slot A in tab A into slot B, you know, that. Guess what? Latinos not. Latinos are terrible at following instructions. Because it's not part of their culture or the way they learn to, exactly. to, the way they learn to they learn? They don't put together, um, they don't go to Ikea and buy a table that they have to put together. Somebody comes and brings them a table. 
and、mm. puts it together. That's their job. Right? Oh, I see. This,、right? the, se- the separation、so、of duties. They want to jump right to the end. Okay, what's the end? Right? And,、um, you know, th- so there, there are some things that we can teach them about、uh, following those kind of things. And then conversely, there's so many things they can teach us、mm-hmm. about patience, about talking with people, about learning more about people instead of jumping right into business.、Um, that both cultures. Have strengths、mm-hmm. that they can teach each other.、Mm-hmm. I can tell you so many cultural stories. Oh my gosh. Well, now you're getting into what I definitely want to cue up as well because I think this is just profoundly beautiful about what you're doing. And that is that beautiful connection and celebration of each of the cultures.、Um, but before we do, will you indulge me in a really short little story? Sure. So you're reminding me of 25 years ago、mm-hmm. when I was working in that restaurant I was just telling you about earlier. And if my brother out there, Angel, is listening, This is about you. So he and I were working hola, together. Hola, hola, hola.、Um, is he and I were working together in this restaurant, usual crazy busy time. And he said to me, he had this burning question. He goes, ¿Qué es la diferencia entre OK y Okidoki? <laughs> What's the difference between OK and Okidoki? And so I was thinking, how can I explain this? And so I turned over to the silverware rack and I picked up two knives.、Uh-huh. And I said, OK, and held up one, and said, Okidoki, and held up the other. He goes, Oh, lo mismo. They're the same. <laughs> So, in that moment, we both got a lesson, right?、Mm-hmm. He got English and I got Spanish. And I think what, you know, I could just totally, I totally understand the magic of what you're doing、sure. in your work and what happens and how important it was for me. So that when I got to move to Spain,、mm-hmm. I had my Spanish because、mm-hmm. of my friend, Ankel, and the others that were in the restaurant. That is a, a brilliant, perfect example. Perfect example of what we're talking about. Excellent. Because they don't teach that in a Spanish class or in a book. Okay, and so our immigrants, just like we, if, if we decide that we're going to go live in、um, Costa Rica or Colombia or Paris or wherever, all right, you know, I know that I can go live in Mexico City the rest of my life and only speak English. I will get by just fine, all right, but my life will be better yeah, yeah. if I speak Spanish. Yeah, how boring would that、right? be? The immigrants that are here, they can survive in the United States and only speak Spanish,、mm-hmm. but their life is going to be better. If they speak English and they know that and they want to, they don't press two for Spanish because they want to. They press two for Spanish because the marketing people are marketing to them.、Mm-hmm. Okay.、Um, your example is perfect because there are so many of those things where if they don't know which is right, okay or okie dokie, then they don't say either one.、Mm-hmm. Right? They avoid it. Right? And then there's the other things that they don't say correctly, like, Beach. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I know what the other way to pronounce that, sure. <laughs> right?、Um, and yeah,、um, anyway, so there's, there's all of those. So in our classrooms, everything's safe. It's 100% safe. You can say anything you want, any word you want. It's much better to say something,、um, to ask a question in a share lingo class to a friend, like, what does this mean?、Mm-hmm. Right? And, or help me with the Difference between B E A C H and B I T C H. Right. Okay. To them, it sounds exactly the same. Sure. So they have to hear it、um, 300 times from a native speaker. Sure. As、okay. do I. Oh my gosh, the number of times that I've messed up when I was down in Aguascalientes, Mexico, presenting,、mm-hmm. and they start, started laughing because I had mispronounced and said something totally wrong, but I was only off by、uh, either a syllable <laughs>、right. or one letter.、Mm-hmm. Big difference. Yeah. No, yeah. <laughs> no, if you forget the tilde.、Um, Anyway, yes, uh, uh, 
Anyo and Ano. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, okay. So this is a this is a great example of what we're doing. Okay. Um, I want to make sure and get this because I, I think it's so beautiful in the conversations that we've had. What you've told me before is that you feel like the work that you're doing now in the Sharelingo project is really your purpose, your calling. Mm-hmm. Why? Um, it's just, I just kept coming back to it time after time after time all my life um, and kept having to do other things in my life or felt I had to do other things in my life because of what people are saying. Um, I mean, just how I became an engineer in the first place. Uh, I was in Italy, had a perfect opportunity to follow this dream for cultures and language and whatever, but I took an aptitude test in high school like we all did back in the day, right? And I scored well in engineering, and um, they said, go be an engineer, right? And, you know, in those days, uh, as we've discussed... um, you go, you do what you do, and you get a job, and you stay with the same company for the rest of your career, and they take care of you. And yeah, well, that it was wrong, right? <laughs> um, but I got pushed that direction. Um, but people would come over to my house. Um, you know, I would, I would go try and put myself into other cultures. Um, and it didn't matter, Latino, black, Chinese, didn't matter. I just liked other people. Yeah. Right. Uh, Anybody and, different than you. Right. That's how I feel. Yeah. yeah. Um, I like people like me too, but you know, yeah, yeah. I just, right, right. I, that's I'm true. not yeah. curious about them. Right. Yes. So, that's a good I, whereas distinction. I'm curious, uh, I'm curious about all these other people and cultures. And so somebody would come over to fix my roof or whatever. And I would want to talk to them. And my kids are like, dad. You know, don't embarrass us. Um, so uh, at some point, I, I just, okay, I got to do this. I just have to do this. And it was, it's a strong thing. And as I got to, um, I don't know if I've been, I've been through a lot of crises in my life, you know, of, of turning points. And any entrepreneur will tell you that there were so many times in their life when they just wanted, they, everybody was saying, throw in the towel. You know, how many times did was I told, you know, we're broke, go get a job, you know, and I was like, no, we're not, we're, we're going to pull through this. Um, and so, uh, I just kept coming back to this language thing and I, and I feel like this is the way that I can help the most people in the world. Okay. I'm not a doctor. I would love to have been a, an orthopedic surgeon. I think that would have been engineering and health and all that I would have been great all in um, one package right but I'm not um, but this is something where I can um, benefit millions of people millions of people how many times in your life do you get to start a project or join a project where you can benefit millions and millions of people and I truly believe I can all right um, if we take an immigrant to this country, and this has nothing to do with our immigration policy or whatever, I'm not going to make any comments on that, but if somebody's in this country and they're struggling to speak English, helping them learn English will improve their lives, improve our society, improve so many things. All right. If we have an immigrant here who is a systems analyst or a doctor or a dentist or an engineer and they're cleaning hotel rooms because they don't speak English, mm-hmm. that is a wasted resource. It is. I just met somebody today at lunch who is actually educated as a dentist mm-hmm. in her country, and she's here. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's also educational and other requirements sure. um, that she's got to go through. But 
Um, I the impact that you're talking about, I really appreciate, and I do want to say I want us to talk a little bit more about that after the break here. But already here we are again. Time for another short break. Goes fast. It does go fast, but that means we're having fun. We are okay. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We've been on the air with Jay Archer, the founder, president, and chief dreamer of the ShareLingo Project, a company with a mission to connect cultures through language. After the break, I want to learn more about how he really feels like he's connecting cultures and making that difference. That's so that is so meaningful for him. Stay with us. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Elise Cortez is a speaker and engagement and development catalyst. She designs and delivers professional development, leadership, and engagement workshops and can bring her expertise to your organization. She will help ignite meaningful development within your workforce that will increase employee engagement, performance, and retention. To learn more or to invite Elise to speak to your organization, please visit her at www.elisecortez.com. She would welcome the opportunity to help get your employees working on purpose. Our world is shrinking. We get information across the planet as fast and as easily as across the street. Lately, it seems as if none of it is good. The world has become so addicted to negativity, fear, drama, and our kids are learning fast. Are you worried about your teen? Do you know where they are, who they're with, and what they're really up to? Power of Peace Radio tackles real issues that are changing the minds of the next generation. Get involved in the conversation on Monday evenings with Kit Cummings. Pop Radio is about interrupting and redirecting those who are on a dangerous course and bringing light into dark places with powerful topics and real stories. We bring hope to those who need it most. Because hope is the new dope. Power of Peace Radio, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. This is Working on Purpose with Elise Cortez. To reach our program today, please call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Elise, A-L-I-S-E, at EliseCortez.com. Now, back to Working on Purpose. Thanks for staying with us, and welcome back to the Working on Purpose show. I'm Elise Cortez, your host. We're here with Jay Archer, the founder, president, and chief dreamer of the Shared Lingo Project, based in Denver, Colorado. Their mission is to connect cultures through language, and we are having this conversation today from my Dallas office studio. He's been sharing a little bit about why this is his purpose, why is this his dream, and really what's involved in the business. How does he affect this language acquisition in his customers? From here, I really want to learn a little bit more, if we can, Jay, about you, you mentioned this idea of bridging cultures, and we were talking about that impact that you were, you were mentioning before the break. Can you say more about that? Why is that so important to you? Okay, I would love to. Um, so bridging cultures. Um, we work with three kinds of customers. We, we work with 
um, businesses. Okay, so a business that might want to deal more with the Hispanic population. Um, and I should mention that down the road we will work with other languages. We have a dream to work with Russian and Vietnamese and Chinese and um, you know a lot of other languages. Right now we're just hyper-focused as a startup um, uh, on Spanish because there's a, the biggest need. Okay. Okay. Um, so if we're talking about uh, the culture within a business, we might have English workers and Spanish workers that work together, but they don't really work together. Okay. So by helping them communicate with each other, the easiest thing to picture, everybody stayed in a hotel. They probably noticed stereotypically that the front office people might speak a different language than the people cleaning the rooms. Mm-hmm. If they can't communicate with each other, that's not efficient for the business. Right. We can come in and do basic language and diversity training within that establishment, help their employees connect with each other and literally understand each other as well as figuratively understand each other. Okay. Okay. If uh, James on the front desk understands Maria in housekeeping, literally, and can say, hey, you know, Mrs. Jones needs fresh towels in room 214, that's more efficient for the hotel. Um, But also if, you know, James understands Maria's culture a little bit, that helps them be friends with each other. And that helps the efficiency, the staff morale, the guest satisfaction, and so many other things. Mm-hmm. Another type of customer we have is uh, individuals. All right? And so people from different cultures can connect as individuals. And, um, you know, Latinos and gringos, and I can say gringos, um, a lot of people, your listeners might laugh, or especially the um, Latino population might laugh when I say gringo, because it has a negative thing. I don't take it as negative. I just don't. Um, uh, connecting people and helping them understand each other is good for our community. There, mm-hmm. there is, there's nobody that can argue with that. All right? um, I can give you examples of how that connects. Um, our third kind of customer is nonprofits. We deal with nonprofits all the time. Um, in fact, we try and take some of the money that we get from the businesses and subsidize the nonprofits to do that. Mm. All right. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. And, uh, we, you know, we try and keep the costs really low to begin with, but sometimes they're just, you know, people just can't afford anything. So we don't want, um, fees to be a barrier. We'll find a sponsor or we'll work with an organization or we'll get donations to some other nonprofit to help the third nonprofit or we, you know, we just try and go around corners like that. Um, so back to the culture thing. All right, culture is not always just um, Americano and Latino. Mm-hmm. Culture can be management versus worker. Culture can be uh-huh. um, doctor versus nurse, or doctor versus patient, or nurse versus patient. You know, here's the culture of the nurses versus the culture of the patients. You see where I'm getting? Yes, at? I do. So um, we're law, getting into roles and status yeah, here. Law, uh-huh. law enforcement. Okay, uh-huh. then we get into couple of things we can have police white or black or whatever all right dealing with populations immigrants all right we have a language barrier and we have a cultural barrier but we also have you know this culture of police versus culture of oppressed or whatever you okay we want to break down those barriers Um, imagine how powerful it would be and we're working on a project right now uh, with this in Denver um, to get this going. Imagine how powerful it would be to take five police officers that want to learn Spanish and five members of the Hispanic population, the Hispanic community, Hispanic leaders, bring them together face-to-face in a room to teach each other English and Spanish. What's wow. going to happen is 
they start to trust each other. They start to ask each other questions. And they see each other differently. They start to understand how they are. Um, if we have time, I'll give you another anecdote about that. But the um, topic, the curriculum that we're going to use for this uh, program in Denver is reducing domestic violence. Right. Mm, Why? That's powerful. Because the Latino culture doesn't have exactly the same viewpoints that we do on domestic violence. You know, um, kicking the dog, punching the wall, knocking the door off the closet. That's all domestic violence. It doesn't have to be direct. We need to tell people about that. The police can do that. But there's also things, you know, the fear uh, of the police. People won't call the police because they're afraid of the police because they don't understand what the police will do and what they won't do. Okay, we can break down all that with conversations in sheer lingo. Um, so I feel like Sharelingo, there's a need, just a huge need um, for this program. And it's in every sector. It's in healthcare. It's in education. It's in law enforcement. It's in construction. It's in hospitality. It's in, I can, I literally cannot think of any sector of our economy that it does not apply to. Okay. And it's every geography. It's not just Denver that has this. Absolutely not. It's Houston and Dallas. I think right, we have 60% we Hispanic population in, here in Dallas. In pockets you do, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Um, look at Miami. But don't, I mean, eight, I think the statistics I saw from the census is eight of the fastest growing 10 Hispanic populations by state are on the East Coast, the North Carolina, the South Carolina, the mm, Kentucky. Interesting. Okay. Um, they're growing the fastest, right? They have problems in their schools. They have problems in their hospitals. They have problems in so many places, but, you know, understanding the culture and the language and everything. Okay. Um, again, not making any comments on immigration. I'm just saying, okay, here's the thing. We have a, a model that we can do to fix it. So soon, soon being relative, it could be five years or 10 years or 20 years, but soon uh, I think you'll see Sherlingo classes happening in Miami and Detroit and Chicago and L.A. But more importantly, I think you'll see it in the rural communities because they don't even have an ESL class, English as a Second Language class. They don't have community colleges that teach Spanish. Everybody has seen this. Okay, imagine a church. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not. You can picture a church, a building, and at 9 o'clock... All the Latinos come in and they worship. And as they're filing out, all the gringos are coming in to worship. And they don't even talk to each other. They go to the same church. Right? They don't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. How can we break down that perceived barrier? Mm-hmm. Right? And, and unite people. That's what people. we're doing. That's what we're doing. Okay. So I'm starting to get a much better picture here, Jay. And I can see why you're as jazzed as you are about this. Because from what I'm hearing, and please tell me if I've got any of this wrong or if you want to chime in on this. But I really feel like you're kind of launching on sort of a world peace effort of sorts. World peace. People sometimes ask me, you know, oh, okay, what's your goal? As I'll tell them, yeah, world peace. Well, I mean, I, that's what I'm because, hearing. Yeah, it, it, it sounds flippant, but um, it, I believe that the Sharelingo model will fit any two languages. Mm-hmm. Okay, I mm-hmm. can totally see, you know, <laughs> Arabs and Israelis teaching each other. You know, <laughs> I, I could see that. That would they truly sit, be. Oh, my gosh, wouldn't it? But, okay, so we can't start there. Right. But we can start here. Right. And then at some point we can have, you know, we can open an office in Paris and we can have French people learning German, mm-hmm. or, you know, and or we can go to Brazil and we can have, uh, believe it or not, most of the infrastructure in Brazil is being built by Chinese. Sorry. Um, so we can have people learning Portuguese and, and Chinese. Chinese. Right? Yeah. Um, 
using the Sherlingo model. Mm. I, I really, really, really want to applaud what you're doing. I, I think the impact you're right is enormous. You can touch millions of people and really make a difference in their lives. And in so doing, really unite people in mm-hmm. a way that is incredibly powerful. I mean, I can tell you for me, Jay, I lived in Brazil for two years. I used to speak Portuguese well, and I loved it. And you know what I learned the most from the Brazilians was, frankly, how to relate to people. Mm -hmm. I thought I was good at that before I left the United States. I sucked at it. (laughs) Right. They taught me how to connect with people on a powerful level that I just never would have ever gotten without Mm -hmm. their help. And I really applaud. I'm starting to see the picture of where you're going. And I think Mm -hmm. it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that for me that I got the chance to have this conversation with you and learn about this because you know I care about some of the same stuff. And I appreciate it. Thank you for this opportunity. Like I said, over and over again, uh, to get it out there, we need to grow. We need people to hear about the message, to contact us and say, you know, to help. We're a social enterprise. Um, What does that mean, you're a social enterprise? What does that mean? Okay, so think of a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, But we... Are not a nonprofit. Okay. Right? Same. <laughs> okay. We have the same values as okay. a nonprofit. We are more interested in helping people than making a profit. I okay? see. The difference Govern is, first by helping. Yes. Okay. Um, so a social enterprise is a business with social values. But a business, as a business, we um, try and generate revenue to cover our expenses. Instead of asking for grants and hoping we can find a donation so that we can provide our services, we charge a fee. Right. All right. Um, the best example, one of the one of the key examples that, that led me that direction instead of being a nonprofit was Tom's Shoes. Um, okay, sure. Tom's Shoes, for those who those listeners that don't know, they're the ones. If you buy a pair of shoes, they give away a pair of shoes. They're not a nonprofit. They're a social enterprise. By charging for some shoes, they can give away way more shoes. Mm-hmm. So Sharelingo, by charging for some classes, we can give away other classes. All right, and ultimately, we want to make a buttload of money. I'm sorry, boatload of money. <laughs> um, and so, uh, but we don't have any shareholders, right? Oh, other than me, and I don't care. Um, by not bringing in investors, right, we can take whatever profits we want and keep them in the project, keep mm-hmm. them, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, where we want. Hence why you call it a, a project, right. the ShareLingo project. Right. This is, we, we are working on a premise here. Um, that we can make enough money to help more people. And the more money we make, the more people can help make more. Um, And money is not a bad thing. Money can do good things. Mm -hmm, For sure. Um, And uh, we can pay our people well and and do some things that are good for society and not just uh, pay shareholders, Mm -hmm. you know. All right, so I get all this. This is making complete sense to me. I'm guessing a lot of listeners are going to get this as well. So we've been talking about what the ShareLingo Project is doing. What are your clients saying? What's their experience? Do you have a, a couple of stories or something like, you can yeah, share? We don't know why it doesn't already exist. So many customers, we interview them, end-of-class interviews um, in English and Spanish. Um, and, and everyone, you know, without doubt, it's like, wow, this is exactly what we need. Okay, we, there's a hundred different ways to learn vocabulary. Rosetta Stone, community college, free online things. But how do you get confidence? Mm-hmm. How do you improve your pronunciation? Uh, yeah. Right? You have to talk to a person. Where can you find a person? And so we've had uh, students who have done two, three, four, ten-week sessions, right? Um, because there doesn't seem to be any other program that links real people face-to-face and, and does this. 
um, for the Latinos, um, the, the best thing is if you imagine yourself and you go live in um, Havana, okay? Um, if you just live there, you will learn to understand a lot of Spanish, but you may not gain any confidence speaking it. Mm-hmm. All right? So the immigrants who are here in this country, they're starting to understand a lot more English, but they have no confidence speaking it. The only way to get that is to talk to a, an English speaker, right? That's what we provide. That's okay. The, that's what's different about Sherlingo versus the hundreds of other opportunities to learn a language. I do understand the confidence because of the some of the, my own experience, and um, we are already so close to out of time. I'd love to have more mm-hmm. time with you on the show, but maybe if you could, uh, could you could you say a little something? I'd always like to let my guests have the last word, if you will. And I want to make sure that you impart whatever final message that you want to give to our listeners. So what would you like to make sure that they, they hear from you? Thank you. Um, there's, there's a couple of um, stereotypes that I hope to break down. Um, and maybe my, f- you could call it a purpose or an objective here. And one, one is that all immigrants are poor farm workers or a drain on our society. And that, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, they, for the most part, work extremely hard. As I mentioned earlier, we have doctors and engineers and accountants and systems analysts who are cleaning hotels and houses. That's a wasted resource. Yes, I believe it is. That. And I, that's a stereotype that I want to break down. Okay. But I also want to break down the stereotype that all the white people hate us. Yeah. And by white, I mean English-speaking, white, black, yes, Chinese, sure, whatever. Sure. Okay. Um, you and I are good examples of so many people in this country who are not ugly Americans, who don't have this idea that we are the be-all and end-all and we're going to save the world, that there's more cultural experience and more for us to learn from the rest of the world, and we want to talk to other people. And so we want to tell, um, we want to convey to the immigrant community that we don't all hate you and we don't all want to we send want you, you back. We want you, in fact, and, and, and value you. Right. And whether you're from Mexico or Canada or France or Russia or the Philippines, I want to know about you. I, I do. Okay. And um, whether you're here legally or illegally, that's for my government to figure out. But me as a person, I just want to find out about you. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and uh, um, if we can break down those two kind of stereotypes, we're good. Okay. What a powerful way to finish. Um, James Archer, a.k.a. Jay, of Sherlingle. What a wonderful treat it's been to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. Loved every moment of the conversation. If you want to learn more about Jay Archer and the Sherlingo Project, please do visit them on their website at www.sherlingo.org. So it's S-H-A-R-E-L-I-N-G-O.org. Um, as he and I have been talking, I'm a huge fan of the work that they're doing. I very much believe in the mission of this, and I certainly think that you are a fantastic guest. That certainly personifies my notion of working on purpose. I always like to finish my shows by reminding people that we work at least one-third of our lives, so let's work on purpose. Thanks for showing us how. Thanks so much. We hope you've enjoyed this week's program. Be sure to tune in to Working on Purpose, featuring your host, Elise Cortez, every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. This week, find your life's purpose at work. Work.
Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.